Welcome to the Living Strategically podcast. We are Reed and Elizabeth Hewitt, a husband and wife team that lives in South Texas. For our day jobs, we are communications consultants, and we also run Living Strategically. Where we're all about helping you strategically pursue your God-given purpose and make the most of your time on earth. Before we get started here, we have an exciting announcement. We now have an ebook available as a free gift to you. It contains 20 pages that can help you live more strategically. We cover topics like the five keys to living a strategic life, simple living in a chaotic culture, running with freedom, and understanding prophetic urgency. To get your copy, visit our website at livingstrategically.com and click the button that says free ebook towards the top of the homepage. It's our free gift to you when you sign up to receive our newsletter. Alrighty, in today's episode, we're going to study end times signposts. When it comes to studying end times prophecy, there are books and blogs and Bible studies beyond number. And in our personal search, uh, we found that most resources go into extreme detail and it's really easy to be overwhelmed before you even get started. So what follows is our attempt to take a step back and look at the big picture and share some signposts that can help us identify where we are on the biblical prophetic roadmap. God has given his children knowledge of these signposts ahead of time, so we'll know how to best use our time and prepare for what comes next. That is what Living Strategically is all about. So when did the end times start? Well, technically the end times started in the first century AD. The apostles considered themselves to be living in the end times, which biblically means the period of the new covenant leading up to the second coming of Jesus. But there are many signs which show we are nearing the end of the end times. The events of the book of Revelation that describe the final years leading up to the return of Jesus Christ. In Matthew 24, Luke 21, and Mark 13, Jesus gave a list of the beginning of birth pangs that would be precursors to his return, including persecution of the saints, false messiahs, wars and rumors of wars, famines, pestilences, and earthquakes. But Jesus is careful to explain that although these things must happen, they do not mean that the end is near. However, there will eventually be one giant, unmistakable sign that ushers in a great tribulation, followed immediately by his return. But more on that in a moment. The takeaway from these prophetic passages is that there are signs to watch for. We are not completely in the dark, and while no one knows the day or the hour of Christ's return, we should be able to see it coming. So let's look at what the next signposts are. War is a major component of the end times. Now, war has been a regular feature in most of human history, and it is one of the things that Jesus said does not, in and of itself, mean that the end has come. However, it is still worthwhile to pay attention to military actions in the Middle East because there are some unfulfilled Old Testament prophecies about wars. When these things come to pass, the world is one step closer to the resolution of the age. One to be aware of is the Gog of Magog War, which is described in Ezekiel 38 and 39. And some believe it will come before the events of Revelation, and others believe that this war describes 
the Battle of Armageddon, which happens at the triumphant return of Christ, near the end of Revelation. Either way, the scenario is that Israel will be attacked by its neighbors and other major powers, but will be miraculously delivered by the hand of God. If this war happens sooner rather than later, it will be hard to miss, but if it happens later rather than sooner, we shouldn't let the absence of it affect our perception of other signs. Before the end, we'll also see war between the powers in the Middle East as described in Daniel 8, 1 through 14. This war describes Iran, the ram, conquering new territory, but being overcome by the goat. We believe this stands for Turkey based on the connection to the territory of Javan, or Yavin, in verse 21. Many translations render Yavin as Greece. Four kingdoms emerge, verse 8, leading to the rise of the Antichrist, the little horn. And regardless of any specific war, the power structure of the world, and especially of the Middle East, is likely to change with a trend toward consolidation of power. Currently, there are three major regional powers in the Middle East vying for supremacy, Turkey, Iran, and Saudi Arabia. End Times prophecy depicts the nations of the Middle East acting with a level of unity that they are not currently displaying. And I'm sure we've all heard of the abomination of desolation. This is the big one, the sign that cannot be missed, the linchpin of end times prophecy that both Jesus and Paul give as a foolproof reference point. That's right. Daniel 9.27 lays the foundation. He says of the Antichrist, and he will make a firm covenant with the many for one week, as in a week of years, meaning seven years, but in the middle of the week, 3.5 years, he will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offering, and on the wing of abominations will come one who makes desolate, even until a complete destruction, one that is decreed, is poured out on the one who makes desolate. Jesus adds some detail in Matthew 24. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand, then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. For then there will be a great tribulation, such as has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will. And then Paul makes it crystal clear in 2 Thessalonians 2. Now we request you, brethren, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and are gathering together to him, that you not be quickly shaken from your composure, or be disturbed, either by a spirit, or a message, or a letter as if from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one in any way deceive you, for it will not come unless the apostasy comes first, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. To summarize, there will be a powerful leader who initiates a seven-year covenant that involves Israel, but three and a half years into the covenant, he will set himself up as God in the temple. Other passages in Daniel and Revelation make it clear that the very end, the return of Christ, will happen three and a half years after the abomination of desolation. When we see something that looks like the seven-year covenant, we should be on very high alert. When we see the abomination of desolation, 
we will know exactly beyond any shadow of a doubt where we are on the calendar of end times prophecy. And it's worth pointing out that the abomination of desolation requires the existence of the temple and the reinstitution of the Torah's sacrificial system in Jerusalem. If that seems far-fetched to you, consider that a hundred years ago, most people thought end times prophecies about the nation of Israel could not possibly be literal because there was no nation of Israel. If God can bring back an entire nation to validate his word, he can bring back one building. Amen. The entire tribulation that surrounds and follows the abomination of desolation is described in great detail in the book of Revelation. One key in studying this book is to look for Jesus in what you read. The very first verse says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his bondservants the things which must soon take place. Our faith in Jesus will get us through any trial, and we must remember that all the trials the earth will go through in the end times are part of the plan of God. He will sustain us. Don't let your hearts be troubled. We know there will be war and terror and severe weather during the tribulation. There will be an increase in the shakings that God sends on the earth, first with the sealed judgments, see Revelation 5 through 7, and then the trumpet judgments, see Revelation 8 through 9. These shakings are meant to bring people to repentance, but the majority will not turn to the Lord as their savior. Satan will keep his stronghold on many. Now it's our belief that the rapture is described in Revelation 14, 14 through 16. The wrath of God greatly increases after this point, figuratively pictured in Revelation 14, 17 through 20. His wrath takes the form of the bold judgments in chapters 15 and 16 and culminates in the battle of Armageddon, Revelation 16, 13 through 21. Now we've linked all these verses below so that you can read the context for yourself. As one begins studying prophecy of the end times, fear is a common reaction, but fear is a weapon of the enemy. Scripture never tells us to be afraid of the world or the powers of darkness. Be sober, be vigilant, yes, but never lose sight of the one who wins in the end. Now you know the main signposts to keep in mind as we stay alert for the approach of the end of the end. Many prophecy teachers proclaim that the return of Christ could happen any moment, but it's not as simple as that. God has a specific timeline for the events of the end times, and in his grace, he has revealed enough of it to us that we shouldn't be lost or confused when we see it unfolding. As we wrap up here, don't forget that you can get our free ebook by visiting us online at livingstrategically.com. And you can also get in touch by emailing podcast at livingstrategically.com. And if you've learned something from this episode, would you take a moment and give us a rating on iTunes or give us a thumbs up on YouTube? That helps more people discover the podcast. All right, y'all. Until next time. Keep living strategically. Strategically.